Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, and welcome back to the Believe in FSU football podcast. This is your host, Robbie Vagnardi. This is the Wake Forest preview episode. FSU travels to Winston-Salem, North Carolina to take on the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, who are 2-0. and oh. This is the start of conference play for FSU this year. Notre Dame's like a quasi-conference member. They've everything but football. They remain independent football because it's their tradition and such. So Wake Forest is the first conference game. It's the 30th year of conference play in the ACC for FSU. The game will be at 3.30 on ESPN Saturday. Wake Forest, like I said, 2-0. They have wins over Norfolk State, who is an FCS school. They beat them 41-16. And Old Dominion, they beat them 42-10. ESPN's FPI gives Wake Forest a 63.8% chance to win over FSU this weekend. Um, Odds lines... Wake Forest is favored by four and a half, and the over/under is sixty-one and a half points. Wake Forest is averaging forty-one and a half points per game and thirteen allowed po- points allowed per game. So so far so good for Wake Forest. They look pretty strong. You know, two relatively easy opponents, and they've taken care of both of them, beaten up on the way that they're supposed to. The Demon Deacons average two hundred twenty pass yards a game and 162.5 rush yards a game so fairly balanced on offense they like to throw the ball a little bit more they do give up 143 run rush yards a game so that'll be interesting to watch fsu likes to run the ball they ran over run for over 200 yards in the past two games and actually they've run over two for two uh, they have run for over 200 yards in their past three games, dating back to last year's win over Duke for the season finale. One of the things for Wake Forest, they do have blowout wins in both those games, but their head coach, Dave Clawson, said that they're still kind of trying to prepare to play like a full game. FSU's played, you know, four quarters or had to play with their starters all four quarters for both games so far. It hasn't really been something that Wake Forest has had to do. So they're going to have to get used to that uh, rep increase their in-game for their players. So that'll be something to watch for Wake Forest, you know, fatigue and, and how they rotate their depth in and out and how they utilize that. One of the things that FSU really has to clean up is penalty yards. They're 121st out of 130 in FBS for penalty yards per game. So that's definitely not good. I've talked about that in the past couple episodes. Um recap episodes of the Notre Dame and the Jacksonville State game just being sloppy and having to clean up penalties it's a reoccurring theme unfortunately FSU is 37 and 1 versus Wake all time so a lot of domination for the Knowles in this series but based on the previous game against Jacksonville State for FSU and the way Wake Forest has played this year maybe not the Best outlook for the Knolls going in. Like I said, ESPN, their football power index, quote unquote, gave Wake Forest an almost 64% chance to win. And they're favored by almost five points. So decent spread, but it'll probably be a relatively close game. We've seen FSU kind of play to their opponent's level both times, you know, for better and for worse. More so playing up to Notre Dame's level and playing 
down to Jacksonville State's level, managing to lose both those games, which were very, very much winnable. FSU was in the position to win both of them for a good amount of time. So definitely going to be interesting to see which FSU team we see on Saturday and and how the team comes out and responds and and moves forward because how this team really defines itself from this point on in the season is going to be how it responds to this Jacksonville State game. Not just because, you know, it's the first time in school history we've lost to an FCS team, which is definitely not something that you want to be a part of. You don't, you know, if you're an FSU player, you don't want to be a part of that team that broke that streak of all the streaks to break and kind of just being a laughing stock. Everybody's looking at that last play in Jacksonville State like, ha, 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 how did FSU do that against an FCS opponent? You know, we went from America's team and Mackenzie Milton's wonderful comeback story to kind of being a joke and a laughing stock the same way people have been pointing fingers and laughing at us the last couple of years. So this team, their resiliency is going to be called into question here. Can they bounce back? Can they, you know, be elastic? Do they have that ability to regroup and recover and, and continue to improve and go out from here? Do they cave in on themselves? This group has the chance to define itself and to be bigger than what that loss was. So it'll be interesting to see, do they come together? Do we get a, you know, a leader out of this and this team moves forward as one unit that is more cohesive and together and more disciplined and wants to win football games and put a good product on the field. They have the opportunity to do that when they go into Wake Forest. This is a team that FSU has historically dominated. Like I said, 37-1 and all time. That's 30 wins, 7 losses, 1 tie. That's a lot of wins. This is not a pushover Wake Forest team, and FSU's talent level and production on the field over the last couple of years, including this one, obviously, does not bode or measure up to what FSU has been in the past. So, you know, I expect a close game. I expect it to be a dogfight. Even, you know, obviously FSU played a much lesser opponent in Jacksonville State than they did against Notre Dame, but still played to their level, and it was a close game. So I expect to see more of the same win or lose. It wouldn't surprise me for FSU to come in and get blown out. Also, wouldn't surprise me for FSU to come in and blow Wake Forest out because for some reason, you know, they get a kick in the ass and get up and go. Just something like that could very well happen. This team is kind of all over the place, and they could be streaky and volatile. There's, you know, definitely things that they do well, but hoping to just see resiliency, to see that fight again that we saw down 18 in Notre Dame when they rallied back, you know, make plays, take some of that momentum, make stops, play with energy on both sides of the ball. It'll be interesting, and I probably don't have my hopes up just because of the way it was really, the you know, the Jacksonville State game is going to be that, that titular point in the season do we sink in on ourselves do we collapse and do what we did last year we're three games under 500 or do we regroup and bounce back I I know I said it but I've got to reiterate it it's just that's going to be what defines this team that play that game can be their titular moment for better or for worse 
hopefully they take the chance to capitalize on that game and, and use it as bolts and board material to motivate themselves to play better and put a better product on the field moving forward. They they deserve better for themselves, you know. As hard as they work to be in this position, they deserve to go out there and play better for themselves if, if nothing else. Not to mention the, you know, fans and students that dedicate themselves to this team and ride the highs and the lows the same way that the people inside the locker room do. So hopefully FSU can capture all of those things and just get moving in the right direction. We really looked like we were moving in the right direction after the Notre Dame game. And just all of it seemed to go up in smoke, but hopefully it's not all wasted and it, it's still there and we just had a big blip on the radar. We can write the ship. With all that said, FSU's definitely got a task up against them in Wake Forest. Not going to be an easy game. Like I said, they have handled business so far. FSU did not beat the team it was supposed to beat. Wake Forest had two easy non-conference matchups and beat the teams that they were supposed to beat. And it's not a bad Old Dominion program either. It's the one that beat Virginia Tech a few years ago, upset them at Virginia Tech, I believe. I believe Taylor Heineke was a quarterback for that Old Dominion team. He's now with the Washington football team, playing really well. Um, FSU's, like I said, got to move on from that Jacksonville State game in a couple different senses, both move on in terms of let's not play like that again and let's not perform like that and just be sloppy and undisciplined the way that we were and also move on in the sense forget how we played, you know, got to have a short memory and recover and rebound, learn from the experience that is the last second loss to Jacksonville State. As far as what we will see on the field Saturday from the Knolls. That's, you know, kind of a big question. I know we're going to run the football, and I know we're probably going to stop the run. It's about all I can tell you, and there will be varying degrees with which in those occur. I expect to see both quarterbacks. Hopefully FSU gets Jordan Travis in for some more running packages, and hopefully FSU allows Mackenzie Milton to expand the pass game a little bit. I'd like to see some more creativity better job of getting our playmakers in space obviously we've run the ball really well Corbin and Ward have both looked really good um I mentioned Andrew Parchment Malik McLean and Darian Williamson previously from the receiving core be nice to get those guys involved allow them to get the the ball in their hands and get in space Keyshawn Helton's another one you know do things short over the middle that don't put stress on the offensive line you know your slant plays, you know, when you've got off coverage, you see soft zone, throw slant. It's, you know, pretty basic football. You know, little drags and rub routes, short digs, uh, short in routes, crossers, things to, to free up the middle of the field and to allow playmakers to make things happen with the ball in their hand. And, you know, you can use the run game to build that 
incorporate them in your RPOs, uh, do those types of routes off a of play action pass. It also gives you the opportunity if you're running the ball to set up the deep pass, you know, get seven men in the box and get that, that one-on-one coverage outside. And that's when you take your shots. So hopefully we can just kind of get a more cohesive offensive game plan together, get a little bit more creativity in there, get the ball into the hands of our playmakers in space and really let them work the way that they need to because that's the athletes that we have on that side of the ball are the key to unlocking our offensive production. Jordan Travis and Mackenzie Milton don't, neither of them have elite arm talent. Milton has average arm talent at best. And that's, you know, we're not going to beat people with the advanced passing game. We don't have much of an intermediate passing game. We don't really have much of a downfield passing game. It seems to be that Norvell and Dillingham and company want to stay relatively close to the line of scrimmage. I don't know if that's just lack of familiarity or lack of arm talent, or that's all they feel comfortable with the playbook right now, but we've got to be more creative within the ways that we do that, incorporate more RPOs, maybe you know put Travis and Milton on the field at the same time. We saw Kendall Bryles do it with James Blackman and Jordan Travis back after Willie initially got fired. I saw that in the Sun Bowl. They're throwing passes to each other, running – doing things like that, just giving the defense different looks, different things to account for, different personnel packages, really starting to take advantage of that. Maybe going, you know, bigger receiver packages with Parchment, McLean, and Williamson all in there. All of them are athletic guys who can make things happen after the catch, but are also bigger physically, physically that can make things happen and can block better the line of scrimmage, open up your running game on the outside. Lots of different things that I I hope to see from the offense on Saturday. And as far as the defense goes, I expect, like I said, I expect us to stop the run. The degree to which it looks like we stopped the run, it could be, you know, sub 70 yards like we did against Notre Dame, or it could be closer to that 200 area like we did against Jacksonville State. It's kind of just... How do we play? I expect us to be fast and physical and play relatively good run defense. We've shown that we can do that so far. Uh, losing Jaleel McCray for the first half is not going to be great. He was, he left late in Jacksonville State game with that targeting penalty. That ended up being a big third down conversion for Jacksonville State on one of their scoring drives. But nonetheless, he had played well prior to that, and he's been very active and and made a lot of tackles both against Jacksonville State and Notre Dame. So losing him against Wake Forest isn't great, but we'll probably see a lot of Amari Gaynor and Steven Dix. So it'd be nice to see how that tandem plays together. Um, Stopping the run, if we're not going to play great pass defense, which we haven't so far, we can stop the run and hang our hat on stopping the run then we can stop and stop the run on early rundowns force the defense in the third and long situations and let our pass rushers pin their ears back and really get after it you know Jermaine Johnson Derek McClendon maybe see more uh, Marcus Cushney as well he was really good at Alabama A&M last year as another offseason guy offseason transfer that we got Maybe just, you know, see more pass rush, see more pressure if we can stop the run on early downs and, and doing doing a better job of forcing the defense 
into more one-dimensional scenarios where we know, okay, you know, they're going to try to run the ball early. We're going to stop the run. And we know they're going to throw the ball because they're, you know, in third and long situations that just simplifies your defensive playbook. I'd imagine we're going to see more zone coverage this week, similar to what we did last year. Probably some more soft zone. The man hasn't really paid off for us in pass coverage. I've been kind of disappointed by the play in man-to-man by our defensive backs. I, I thought they were going to be better. Feels like we have a defensive back group full of safeties and not a whole lot of corners. So be interesting to see how Fuller handles that and what we do there. So stopping the run early, forcing the defense or forcing the offense rather into one dimensional play calling scenarios, which makes it easier for the defense allows us to exploit our pass rush. Cause we, we have, especially Jermaine Johnson, he's, he's really spearheaded it. He's been an absolute animal so far. The, Dude's just been crazy. He's got everything that you look for in a really good defensive end. You know, he plays with a high effort, high intensity. He's a high motor guy. He's got length. He's got athleticism. He can bend the edge. He can bull rush you. He can, you know, hand win with hand usage and get inside or out. Just everything that you're looking for in a defensive end. He's been great so far. Fabian Lovett's good. As well, he does a really good job in the middle, clogging stuff up, clogging up running lanes, uh, forcing running backs to try to bounce outside, which sends them right into Jermaine Johnson's uh, loving embrace. So just doing those things again, doing them better, forcing Wake Forest to be more one-dimensional that allows us to you know, simplify our play calling and leads to stops, hopefully. Another thing, just establishing an identity on both sides of the ball that we can hang our hat on, things that we can go to, that we can say, okay, this team is good at this. At the end of the day, we're going to do this. Win or lose, we know that this is what we're going to do, and this is how we're going to do it. It seems like stopping the run and running the football are going to be those two things. So hopefully we just double down and and make those identity and just roll with that. If we can do it, then let's roll with it be as good as we can at it, and and try to use it to our advantage to win football games. Establishing the run and effectively running the football are always keys to winning football games. And, you know, we're running the ball with like five-plus yards of carry right now. So definitely something worth investing into as the identity of this team. Just building behind that, being hard-nosed and being physical. Moving on. Wrapping up a little bit, keys to winning, establish the run. Just went on a little bit of a tangent about that. Back to it again. Establish the run. Run the football well. Deshaun Corbin, Treshawn Ward, probably some Jordan Chavis. Sprinkle a little bit of Lawrence Tofili. Run the football. We've shown we can do it. Continue to do it. Feed Deshaun Corbin. He's an animal. Straight up, feed zero. Uh, get the passing game going a, a little more, more involved, more efficient, hopefully a little more creative, <clears throat> get receivers, get tight ends involved, get running backs involved, the, get the ball into the hands of playmakers in space. That's what we need to do to move the ball on offense. We haven't been doing enough of it. Hopefully we can remedy that a little bit and, and being more efficient as well. 
I think we're 18 for 34 against Notre Dame. So being more efficient in the passing game would be a big improvement. And then limiting penalties, being more disciplined. We struggled with that in both games, and we really, really got to get better at it. Continue to stop the run and use that to create pass rush opportunities and then rush the passer, put pass rush packages on the field and really get after the passer. And play with energy and fight and heart. We saw it against Notre Dame, and we didn't see it against Jacksonville State. Play with energy. Go out there, play hard, play for that spear on your helmet. You know, as always, this is your host of Believe in FSU Football, Robbie Bagnardi. Don't forget to like and follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, peace out and go Knowles. Until next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.